This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. I want to talk about life and death. And um, last week was a little bit more on the death side of it. And we got to a little bit of life toward the end. We're going to deal with more life today because life is a little bit more exciting and positive than death. And I was thinking about this Greek myth from Greek mythology about Pandora's box. Anybody ever heard story about heard of that Pandora's box? Nobody. That's uh, okay. Yeah. Are y'all awake? Okay. Pandora's box. It was something about Zeus the Greek god Zeus that had a feud going on with some people and one of them was engaged to be married and so uh, as a as a kind of a mock gift uh, Zeus gave to the woman that the man was to be married to a beautiful uh, beautifully decorated box just a lovely uh, looking thing and he told her that the the box was hers to admire, to look at, but that she was not to open the box. So this is kind of the Greek mythology version of the fall because it got the best of her and eventually she opened the box. And when she opened the box, it unleashed all form of evil into the earth. And so that's how evil actually came to the world and, and then you know, advanced throughout the world and, and remains today. But the good news on the tail end of that story is that the last thing that came out of the box was something that represented this tiny shred of hope. So on the end of seeing the unleashing of all sorts of evil, just indescribable evil, everything you could think of and then some, there's a little shred, a little strain of hope that follows it. And that's good news in, in that story, but it also aligns with our world today and the situation that we're in and what we're seeing happening in our society and around the world is that there's all levels of evil everywhere, things that we never thought we would see. You know, another mass shooting, I think somewhere in Texas yesterday, nine people dead, I believe. Uh, it's just over and over and over, and, and uh, you know, you, we could spend all day talking about all the different varieties of evil that exist in the world. <clears throat> but if we don't retain the knowledge that there is hope, then we're done, right? Because hope is that thing that causes us to keep getting up in the morning and living, right? Uh, I've, I've seen people that the thought has crossed my mind. I didn't want it to cross my mind, but it has. It's like, why do they keep living? Why don't they just check out, right? There, there was a man in Jamaica. We saw him from the first time we went there, like in 1994. 
And he would just wander up and down the sidewalk, and he just had just little rags around his waist, no other clothes on, long dreadlocks that almost dragged the ground. And he would just mumble to himself and just walk around, and he'd pick around in trash cans. And one time I told my buddy Scott, who was visiting us down there, we had some extra clothes, and Scott said he wanted to give these clothes to someone who needed them. So I saw this guy on the sidewalk, and Scott was with me and had the clothes with him. So I pulled over and said, why don't you take your clothes over there and give them to that man? And so Scott gets out and starts approaching the man with the clothes, and the man just started screaming and running straight at Scott. I almost scared him to death. He just comes running back and jumps in the van and just throws the clothes out the window for the man to get. I mean, the man was just completely out of his mind. And then he carried a, like a piece of a, um, a can, a Coke can, a beer can or something, and he would just click it, click it, and he would stand and stare at the sky and just click, click, click this thing. And, and so that's just one example. I thought, why does that guy keep living? You know, I mean, come on, this is just destitution in its purest form. It has to be a horrible life. He's sleeping out in the bush somewhere. He's picking through garbage for something to eat. He's dealing with probably rats and bugs wherever he is. Hard telling what's living in that head of hair he's got. You know, and he's just poor and he's out of his mind. And why, didn't, why doesn't he just walk down into the sea and just keep walking until it's over his head and just give up? I think the answer to that is <clears throat> that there must be a shred of hope down in there somewhere. And that's the case with anybody you see who, whose life is just completely uh, saturated with problems and issues and you know, complications and illnesses and mental health st stuff going on, relationship stuff going on. They just can't seem to figure it out and depression and anxiety and all that. And I just have to think that they keep going on because hope is not dead. Hope is not completely dead. We have a lot of reason to be hopeful today, even though we know that death exists. So I want us to go back to Genesis chapter 2, where we hung out last week, and just read. We're not going to read those all the long verses. In. Today, we're just going to look, take a look at 2 to start with. And it says here that the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The introduction of the idea of death. Introduction of the idea that this garden life that God intended for his children could possibly be eliminated. And that rather than living in communion and fellowship with God, in harmony with Him and the rest of natural creation, for all of eternity, something could interrupt that and cause death to enter the scene. And as I said last week, the word death in that context means separation. Separation from what? God is saying, if you eat of that one tree, you will be introduced to the knowledge of good and evil. The contrast between those two will be something that you are not capable of managing as a human being. Okay? And 
you will begin to experience separation. Separation from what? Separation from that harmony that is supposed to exist between mankind and their creator and the rest of natural creation. Separation between man and peace, because peace is God's intention. That intention has never changed, but disobedience leads to a separation between us and peace. Separation from the freedom that all human beings are looking for and are supposed to be living in, it is impacted in a negative way and separation is created when we disobey. God said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to be separated from every good gift that I've given you. There's going to be distance between you and those things. But his intention never changed. Although separation will be created through disobedience, God hasn't changed his heart toward you and me. The same heart he had toward Adam and Eve is the heart he has toward us today. The same idea of us living in perfect harmony with him and the rest of creation is still his idea right now. It's a different world, it's a different place, but his idea and his intention have not changed. How about separation in your relationships from each other? Brokenness in relationships is a direct result of disobedience. I told you last week, I stand by it. If my heart is right and my wife's heart is right, our relationship will not break up. Period. If the relationship between my son, if, if my son's heart is right and my heart is right, our father-son relationship will always be wholesome and good. It will never be destroyed. It's all about the heart. It's all about being in alignment. It's all about who's at the center. Is God at the center or am I at the center? If God is at the center, everything works right. If God is pushed off center and I've replaced him with myself, everything gets messed up. Brokenness at every level in every form, is a result of the heart not being right. Separation in relationships, and then separation of our spirit from our body, literal death. But do we still have opportunity to be in the presence of God? Yes, we do. There is still hope. There's that shred of hope. There is a chance to live in a garden-like existence, both here on earth and after this life, when the body is separated from the Spirit and we go to the next life, we can live in perfect harmony with our Creator for all of eternity. It's still His intention. It's still possible. But if we eat 
In other words, if we continue to do it our own way, if we continue to ignore the instructions of God, if we continue to listen to the wrong voices and make decisions for them and against Him, separation will continue to happen. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, we see that we literally... Do we have chapter 3, verse 19? We see that we literally will be separated through death. We are separated body from spirit. He says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is the ultimate price that all of us pay because of the disobedience of one man. Listen, one, one person is responsible for the fact that every one of you in this room and I will die. If the Lord doesn't return and take us while we're still alive, we will die. It's absolute and it's the result of disobedience by one person. And he says, you were taken from dust and you're going to return to dust. We, we, how often have you been at a graveside? And that's one of the things that's pronounced. That's one of the last things that's said, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. This is where it comes from. We're taken from dust, we'll return to dust. That sounds ominous, that sounds foreboding, that sounds like that's it, we're done, that's the end, but it is not it because the story doesn't finish right there. This is the good news that I brought to you today, is that is not the end of the story. Literal death is an inevitability, but it is not the end of the story. Nor do you, this is part B of the good news, nor do you have to live under the results of disobedience while you're alive right here on this earth right now. You can live in freedom. You can have your peace. You can have your contentment. You can be fulfilled. You can understand revelation and God's voice and God's purpose for you, and you can thrive inside of that. It's a reality. Let's look at John chapter 10. You're really familiar with this already. But this sort of sums it up. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So now, a person shows up who is here to make a way for us to get back to the garden. A person shows up who arrived on the scene to reintroduce us to God's original intention for us. And he tells us that it's a very simple pathway. And he reminds us of what the same enemy who showed up in the garden and whispered in Eve's ear is still trying to do today. He said the thief, the enemy, the serpent, Satan, the deceiver, whatever you want to call him, it's all the same. He has come to do this. He has come to steal from you. 
In other words, he has come to separate you from the blessings and the gifts that God has intended from you. He has come to steal that right out of your account that God set up for you. To take every good gift. We're told that every good and perfect gift comes from where? It comes from our Creator. And it says there is no variableness or shadow of turnings the way the King James puts it. What, what does that mean? It means He doesn't change with that, with that intention. Good and perfect gifts are His intention. And the thief shows up to steal all of that away. But He can only steal it if we spend time listening to His voice, acknowledging His reason, and then responding in, in, in obedience to what He's saying. He comes to kill, to separate us from relationship with God. Kill, death, same idea, same concept, right? Killing and death. He comes to separate us from the purpose and the intention that God has for us. He comes to destroy God's perfect plan in the lives of human beings. But here is the reciprocal of that. Jesus says, I have come that they, they being you and me and every follower of his, may have life. There's the opposite of death and kill and destroy and steal. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Y'all are very quiet. In the churches I grew up in, when the preacher got to that point right there, there would have been all sorts of clamor going on. You'd have had people running around and the preaching would have been over. Because that is really powerful news. That is really exciting stuff. That causes that little bitty thread of hope to become a waterfall of hope that should be dumping out on top of us right now. That He came and He paid the price so that we can have life right here, right now. If, if death means to separate us from everything good, wouldn't that, wouldn't that suggest that life means to pull everything that's right and good back together? Right here, right now. Pull it back together. The peace, the freedom, the joy, the contentment. The revelation, pull it back in through acknowledgement that Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. And in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a trend right now in the Christian community. There's all sorts of trends, but there are a couple of really, really dangerous ones. You know, the Bible talks a lot about false prophets. What is a false prophet? A false prophet is anybody who purports to be giving away the words of God, but who is taking some of it out, adding something else to it, and, and incorporating a lot of their own ideas and opinions into the Word of God. Very dangerous stuff. But there are preachers, pastors of big, big congregations that are now doing that, and they have the masses following them, which we're told is what will happen when the false prophets show up. And one of those trends is to say that 
You don't necessarily have to come through Jesus Christ to get to God. You don't necessarily have to acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior. You don't necessarily have to confess your sins to Him and allow Him to wash you clean in order to be born again and to be in right standing with God your Father. It makes the pathway easier. It throws the gate wider open. It pushes that space out, right? Well, the problem with that is is that Jesus says, the gate is narrow. You can't expand the gate. To try to expand the gate is blasphemous. There is only one way, one gate, one door, and it is the person of Jesus Christ who says that nobody can get to the Father except through me. And if you're going to say that I believe in Jesus as the Son of God, but I don't believe He's the only way to get to God, just please cast Jesus aside altogether. Curse His name and have nothing to do with Him. Because we can't have it part of the way. It's the whole truth or no truth. (coughs) I am the way, truth, and the life. What does this make Him? It makes Him the pathway back to the garden life. Hey, this is what we have to know today. If you're struggling, if you're not there, if you're living outside of your purpose, if you're not living in your peace and your freedom, then you need to come for a face-to-face meeting You know that phrase, a come to Jesus meeting? That's what you need. There's only one answer. You have to come face to face with Him. You have to acknowledge that He is Lord. You have to surrender every compartment of your life to Him. You have to acknowledge that He is God's Son, that He came to this world to redeem the world from its sins. And then you make your way along that pathway into the heart of God, into that room that John 14 talks about that was built just for you. It's got your name on a plaque above the door. And every benefit and every blessing that God has for you is inside that room. So in Romans chapter 5, we see this situation explained by the Apostle Paul. He says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, who's the one man? Adam and Eve. That's mankind, right? Eve ate the fruit. She gave it to him. He ate. Death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Old Testament, New Testament, aligning perfectly in Genesis. You had Adam in the garden. You had Eve in the garden. You had the temptation. They succumbed to the temptation. They experienced separation from God, separation from all of his blessings. They introduced evil into the world ever since. Then what's happened? What happened right after the fall? All of a sudden, fear showed up and took the place of that peace. 
right? Adam was afraid and he hid from God and God came looking for them and said, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? He said, I'm hiding because I'm afraid. Why are you afraid? Introduction of fear. Next is the introduction of shame. They were ashamed because they were naked. They had never been ashamed before. It's the first time the introduction of shame among the human race. Then you have the introduction of blame. Right? Why did you do that? Well, the woman you gave me, it's her fault. And what's the woman's answer? Well, the serpent. He's responsible. He convinced me. Hey, we have this two-word slogan at City of Refuge. It's called, own it. Okay? Just own it. Whatever you did, own it. Repent for it and move on. Whatever you didn't do that you should have done, just own it. Repent for it and move on. Whatever your situation is right now and whoever did whatever to you, you cannot go back, you cannot retract, you cannot cause it to happen a different way all over again. Just own whatever your part of it was, repent and move on. Because the only way to get back into the garden environment in perfect harmony with God and the rest of creation is to get past what happened, get past the guilt, get past the shame, put it behind you, repent for it, fall on your face before Him, receive this Savior who came to give us life and give it to the full and move forward into our spot in the garden life. If by Adam's transgression and trespass, death, separation happened. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? He is the second Adam. He's, Adam was God's first created son. Jesus is God's only begotten son. Adam disobeyed. He didn't do it right. He created separation. Jesus arrived on the scene in order to restore and redeem and make a pathway for God's people to get back into the heart of the Father. One man, Jesus Christ, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to sum it up. We're going to cap it right here. <coughs> For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. That's all who come to Christ will be made alive. The Scripture tells us that all of us were dead in our, what, trespasses and sins. We were all dead. Well, we're still walking around. We're still talking. We're still breathing oxygen. So it's not talking about literal physical death. It's talking about separation from God. We were all separated from God because of one man's disobedience. But for as in Adam all die, so in Christ 
all will be made alive, but each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when He comes, those who belong to Him, then the end will come when He hands over the kingdom of God, the Father hands over the kingdom to God the Father after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is separation. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Same word, same Hebrew word used in Genesis. If you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. You will surely be separated. Same word. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Separation. Man, that's really good news. That, that's really exciting stuff. That it don't matter. See, this is the thing for you and me. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your situation is right now, it don't matter. The opportunity is the same for everybody. No matter how far separated you are, that distance can be closed just the same. No matter the, the terribleness of whatever it is and however it is that you've lived. Hey, I, I got friends, personal, close friends, who spent many years behind bars in jails and prisons and penitentiaries. Who did... Listen, I have very close personal friends who have killed other human beings. Hard to find egregious behavior worse than that, right? I, have, I, I know guys who were embedded in all sorts of evil sexual stuff, pornography and, and, and adulterous affairs and, and you know, I, I won't even go in any further than that. They've done all sorts of horrible things. I got really good friends who were gangbangers, who would rob the innocent, who would beat up the elderly to take money from them, who were drug dealers. I never did any of that. And the exact same opportunity that exists for me to do away with separation, to close the gap, to live in perfect harmony with my Father, exists for them. Exactly the same. So your past is your past, but in terms of your potential for the future, it just doesn't matter. Jesus illustrated that hanging on the cross. And, and this was, I mean, I see this as such an intentional story, such an intentional piece of that whole saga of Jesus being tried and convicted and sentenced to death and crucified is that picture of him hanging between two criminals 
two criminals who would illustrate to us and for all of humanity the contrast of how to get, how to close that separation and get back to God. When one doesn't own it, one who plays the blame game, one who's accusatory and nasty, even after the way he's lived. And the other says, hey man, shut up. Own it. We're criminals. We deserve where we are. This man has done nothing wrong. There's, there's your picture of opportunity. Which opportunity do you want to live in? The opportunity to increase the separation or to close the gap. And Jesus said to him, there you go. Thank you. Thank you for teaching all of humanity who will live from now on a very important lesson. Today, you will have your chance. See, I have, I have a theory here. I'll qualify it as that. I don't think Jesus saved the man on the cross. The man didn't repent of his sins. Jesus had not yet died. The remission was not yet available. What did Jesus say to him? He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. You know that paradise doesn't mean heaven, right? We say that sometimes interchangeably, but that's not what it means. Paradise was a place where the spirits of mankind dwelled. Paradise, I believe, is a place where Jesus went to after his death. Right? That period of time between death and resurrection, I believe he was in paradise offering the gospel message to the spirits of the people who dwelled there. Today, you will have your chance. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Because if you show a willingness to close the gap, step number one, that's step number one in your process of moving into your place in the heart of the Father. The good news is for everybody. The good news does not exclude. The good news is not good for all the categories but that one. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't hate people who are in certain categories. It don't matter which category it is. And we may know that certain behaviors are, are not God's intention for us, but we're not the judge. I think we'd do well to leave that up to Him, that we would just love people and extend His grace and exemplify His mercy and walk in humility and love people and bless the poor and take care of the needy. I think that would really warm His heart toward us and would cause us to close the gap between us and Him a little bit more. But every time we're judgmental, every time we're critical, hypercritical of certain groups and certain people and certain lifestyles and all that, we widen that gap between ourselves and Him. The whole time we're criticizing the gap that exists between somebody else and Him. What, what a paradox. I wish I could say what I just said again, but I can't remember word for word because it was just that good. 
the opportunity is there for all of us. Most terrible of all people. If they come to God through the person of Jesus Christ and own it and repent and confess, they throw themselves open to His glorious purpose and they start to close that gap between them and Him. Man, that's beautiful. Father, thank You that You have given us a way to get to You. Not just the knowledge that we should be there. Unfortunately, too often I'm guilty of preaching, other people are guilty of preaching of what we ought to be doing and where we ought to be, but we just don't tell people how to get there. Thank you for giving us the how, the details, the pathway, the recipe. And we embrace it this morning. <coughs> and we thank you for it. Every individual in the room now has to make your own decision regarding what you'll do with God's words because that's the key to everything. If you say yes to God's words, then that is step number one. You start closing the gap. Repent. Repent all the time to make sure there's nothing in the way. Nothing creating any sort of barricade between us and anything he has for us. So I just challenge you before you leave here, just whisper your own prayer of commitment. Father, I'm, I'm yours, and I, I want to live inside that intention you have for me. I want to live in your peace. I want to live in harmony with you. I want to live in harmony with other people. I want to live in harmony with creation. I want to experience my freedom day by day. I want to see your word and have it come alive in front of me. I want to walk in revelation. I want to be able to give that re revelation away to struggling people. I want to bless the poor. I want to be in obedient in every way to you. And I'm going to leave the results up to you. And I'm going to rejoice as you close the gap of separation between me and that space you've designed for me in your heart. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here again. Look forward to uh, seeing you all on Mother's Day next week if you can make it. And have a great week. And remember, we have Bible studies, which are really good. We follow up in the men's group on what we said on Sunday. And then the ladies' group meets as well, and youth and kids on Wednesdays. Y'all take care and have a great week.